Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck. We are here to recap the Preds week and talk hockey, maybe complain a little bit, maybe rant, but also put things into perspective as the Predators are four and four on the season. Nice 500 record to start uh, eight games in. We'll talk a lot about that. Uh, but welcome in, Sean. It's Halloween. Are you? Did you see the Halloween decorations I put up? I see the Halloween decorations. They're a little bit spooky. I'll uh, do my best to not get too scared. I had to, I had to do something. Uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't prepared. I kind of was in a rush putting the graphic together this morning, so I just I needed to put something on there. But got some Halloween decorations. Of course, you should be watching this on YouTube because we have a video component to this show now. Uh, if you remember last year, we were just audio. Now we're audio and video. And uh, Sean has joined us for this season. So YouTube, obviously, is a way to watch it, but you can also listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. So uh, check us out all those places. Um, Well, let's see. We have a lot to recap because if if anybody who doesn't know, we skipped last week because I got COVID. Uh, That sucked. It was not fun, Um, but I I just could not record. while sick, so I, I couldn't do it. I didn't want to get I didn't want to get Sean virtually sick by, no. by recording. No. <clears throat> I, I I anticipate that no one missed us too badly, uh, but anyways, you know we're back. So uh, did did you did you enjoy um, having a, a week to yourself so you didn't have to worry about a, a recording a show, or were you or were you disappointed? You know, it's it's funny. You know, I, I I'm amongst the people a lot. You know, I hear the words on the streets, and the kids are all like. Sean, where's where's on the Preds? What happened? Yeah, you know, are you guys leaving? You going big time? And I was like, <laughs> guys, just give it a week; it'll be back. And so, you know, I, I would have enjoyed it if I didn't have to spend the vast majority of the off time just explaining to everybody what happened. So, you know, um, my outreach efforts I think worked. I think people will be ready today uh, to to pay attention and, and listen or watch and see what's going on. So, well, know. there's been a lot going on with the Predators, and I mean, there's there's. You know, the, the week that we missed, and we'll talk about that in a second, the week that we missed, the, the Predators were very much not good. Uh, and then mm. they kind of mm. have been better in these last few games. So um, that's that's kind of interesting. It's been it's been a, a strange couple weeks. Um, but obviously, it's it's so early, it's difficult to, to really net notice any trends. Um, but we're going to try. <clears throat> we're going to talk about a few trends. We're going to talk about some things that have happened. Take a look at some video clips of some pretty Ooh. neat moments that happened so far in the last week or so and uh, let's go ahead and get to it <clears throat> so let's talk recap so we missed a week because i got covid but just very briefly last week uh so not this past week but the week before that the predators beat the kings when victor arvidson came back to bridgestone arena and then they lost to the rangers and the jets in some pretty bad performances mm. there uh so that takes us to this past week uh where um first with the minnesota wild on sunday night so 
the Preds power play in that game was on fire to start. They got up 2-0 on uh, two power play goals from Roman Yossi and Ryan Johansson. Uh, Johansson would then add another goal in the first. Predators were up 3-0 after one period. Big start there. And then uh, the, it seemed like every time in that game the Wild fought back in the game, the Predators countered with an attack of their own. Uh, Forsberg and Janot would add two more goals. But... The biggest story in that game had to be the NHL debut of Connor Ingram, um, a, a, a goaltending prospect that the Predators just stole from the Tampa Bay Lightning for a seventh-round pick a couple years ago. Um, and uh, David Riddick, who was on COVID, the COVID protocol list, couldn't go. So, he, so Connor Ingram steps in, gets his first NHL start, and his first NHL victory. He had 33 saves in that game. Huge moment for him. Five to two was the final over Minnesota. Up next, um, unless you want to say anything about that, that real quick, that was that was a neat moment. I thought. I thought it was a great moment. I, I'll tell you, I think I started paying attention to Ingram not not when he was drafted or anything, but when that trade did happen. So I think you know, kind of seeing the progression, and if you pay attention to the Predators beyond what's happening at the NHL level, I mean, he was. He was enjoying kind of a meteoric rise where he had been an AHL all-star when he was with the Lightning organization. And then he pretty highly touted prospect. Yeah. I mean, he was not, he was not nothing. Right? No. And then and then for whatever reason, I don't I don't want to speculate, but for whatever reason, the Lightning are willing to give him up for a seventh round draft pick. Yeah. He comes to the to the Predators organization, goes to Milwaukee, and he's an AHL all-star goalie in Milwaukee. So it seemed like you're seeing this trajectory of He's going to be in the NHL soon. This is, you know, the heir apparent to uh, UC Soros' backup position uh, yeah. when Soros takes over for Rene. And then he entered into the uh, player's assistance program uh, wisely. And I think when that happens, you know, your, your biggest concern is, you know, are they going to be able to get the help they need? And then once they get that help they need, will they be able to come back and, and be – a productive player in the NHL because right. certainly most important to get the help you need. That's, that's what you want that program for. But then when you come back from that, can you continue what you were doing and, you know, hopefully earn a bigger contract, play longer, make more money. And it seems like that was the best thing he could have done and that he's come back, back on that same trajectory. And like you said, it's a surprise chance to get that NHL start because Riddick was in the COVID protocol, but he made yeah. the best out of his opportunity, and it was very, very nice story. Very, very. It's a great moment, and and I think there were a lot of people on on Twitter and and the internet just really giving him <clears throat> the praise he deserved for, especially because of the the going into the the players' assistance program um, and coming out of that and and being a better person for it. So, excellent news. Connor Graham gets his first win, and you know you got to feel good about. Um, it, it, some, you know, let's say David Riddick, who we're probably going to see this coming week yeah. um, at some point. <clears throat> let's say David Riddick doesn't have a great, um, you know, start to the season as a backup to UC Soros. You know what you've got in Connor Ingram. You know, you're going to get some some solid minutes out of him. And I think he looked he looked pretty good. He, he was <clears throat> kind of a, a very different goaltender from Soros and from Rene. But uh, I think you saw some good things there. Let's move on to the next game. That would be two days later. The sh the Preds look to go streaking with the Sharks in their home barn. Matt Duchesne gets another power play goal. That would be three in two games for the Preds. That's interesting. 
but he does it by firing a wrist shot as he enters the zone. Not usually how it's done, kind of a different looking power play goal. Uh, but the Predators can be picky uh, in that because they just want to get as many power play goals as they can because it's usually at a premium. Then Philip Forsberg gets a goal in the second off of a very nice feed from Roman Yossi. James Reimer gets a piece of it, but it goes in anyways. And then an empty netter from Mikhail Granlin, and the game would finish 3-1 to one final. Preds have a two-game winning streak at that point. Uh, the Sharks, I, I don't I don't think the Sharks are very good, but, you know, they're at least, you know, a competitive team in some respects. they got some good players. Um, yeah, so the Predators get a 3-1 win. That was a nice defensive effort as well in, in uh, Soros' start there. What do you think about that game, the, the Sharks game last Tuesday? You know, my my big thing going into that game was was getting to see Nick Benino. I, I always enjoyed Nick Benino in Nashville. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think I was fairly outspoken his last year in Nashville at how much I loved and appreciated him. So not getting to see him for a year or for a season and then getting the chance, really kind of surprised you realize a uh, lot's changed in that, that year. And he's actually not with the Minnesota Wild anymore, but he's now with the Sharks. So um, – I don't know. I, I was I didn't get to see as much of him as I wanted, um, but I, it was nice to see him before the game talking to a lot of the guys from the team. Um, I was a little concerned uh, when he first came to Nashville from Pittsburgh and they were going to face the Penguins for the first time with Benino on the team. They, somebody asked him, you know, are you excited to go up against anybody? And he had made the comment that he was ready to get up in uh, Phil Kessel's face. So I was curious if he had any bad blood with anybody on the Predators and uh, was going to try to get after anybody, but it didn't seem like that happened. So that was, you know, he that was not, nice too. He does not seem like a bad blood kind of guy. I mean, no. he really doesn't. Like he seems like a, a he, he has probably some competitive rivalries, right? With, sure. with different players, maybe on the Predators or on the Penguins or on the Wild. I mean, he probably has that. But, yeah, I, I doubt that. Yeah, Nick Benino's a great, great dude. Yeah. The, the Predators in that game, I think, were, were like, shockingly good. Like, they were, they were, they were mm -hmm. a pretty solid team. That's, that's kind of um, where you start to see this week um, really kind of hit a hit its stride where the Predators have, have – won three straight games and it coincides with something that we'll talk about in a little bit where John Hines kind of doing some line shuffling, which I think is interesting. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, especially can, especially with the top forwards uh, moving, moving Duchesne and Forsberg with Gramlin and then moving Johansson around. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that as well, but uh, yeah, nice win getting uh, the, the home win on over the, the sharks in that game. And then on Saturday, so this is yesterday now, uh, the Predators welcome back Barry Trotz again. The Islanders are in town, and uh, it, anytime the New York Islanders are in town, anytime Barry Trotz is in town, it's a big moment because yeah. of how big and how big of an impact he had on a Nashville uh, hockey history. The big big name there. To start this game, Anthony Beauvillier, or as I call him, the beautiful villain, gets the Islanders on the board with a power play goal. Soros really never had a chance on that play. It was just like really great passing from New York. Um, I mean, I think, I think he had to move laterally like three times before yeah. the play to get, to get over there. Just a great play from them. But then after that, it would be the Tanner Janot show. He gets his first goal on a rush shot from the wing that skips off of air, uh, uh, Sorokin's stick and it goes in. It, it was a very strange looking goal because it, it kind of went off of Sorokin's stick and then underneath his arm. Very strange yeah. goal. Tie game, one to one. 
Then Oliver Wallstrom, who's been very good uh, for the, the um, Islanders as well. He puts the Islanders up five minutes later on the power play. So the penalty kill gives up another goal. Uh, another shot that really Soros couldn't do much. There's too much time. Um, so it's two to one. But then in the third period, with the Predators really pressing in the offensive zone, Matt Benning comes on the ice, gets the puck on the right side. He's looking to shoot. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. He fires it on net as he's on the red line. Terrible angle. And somehow the puck gets off of Tanner Janot's knee. It's not Tanner Janot, it's Tanner knee. The puck goes in off of his knee to tie the game just the way you draw it up. In overtime, the Predators had just this crazy sequence, which I had to go back and see how long they had it. They had the puck for almost two minutes yeah. in the overtime. I know that that sounds like something that's pretty easy to do. It's only three on three, but it really isn't. Like, And they had, two, had a couple line changes in there. Uh, they had the puck possession for a very long time. And then in the shootout, Forsberg and Yossi score to win the game. Uh, UC Soros does not allow a goal. I don't think. Yeah, it was two. Yeah, two zero. They beat him in the shootout. Three to two is the final. The Predators have a three-game winning streak. I know you were there on Saturday. I am still not allowed to go to games because I got COVID. Uh, that'll be changing soon. But how was that atmosphere? What was that like uh, with the Predators winning their third straight game uh, on Saturday? It was a really good atmosphere. I think it was. It turned into be a, a long day of hockey for me as it was the twelve uh, thirty game. <laughs> very early start. And that was to accommodate the uh, U S hockey hall of fame game. That was, that took place at seven o'clock Saturday night against uh, was university of North Dakota and Penn state. Um, so you had a lot of, it was interesting because of course the Islanders always bring a lot of fans, but it was surprising because while you saw a lot of Islanders fans, you also saw a lot of North Dakota green. And so you had this, this really big group of people that was, just kind of there to see hockey and then show up for their, their team's hockey game later. But the, the stadium was, or the arena had a lot of people in it. It was good and loud. Um, and I'll say, you can say what you want about, you know, that bad angle shot by Benning and it popping off of Tanner Janot's knee, but that brought a lot, I mean, a lot of energy to that building right when they really needed it and was able to give that team the push they needed in overtime, at least to keep the other team from scoring. And I'll say, those two goalies, you know, both on both teams, you weren't going to get anything past them without some kind of trick. I mean, it was it yeah. was really impressive. Uh, that that whole first Janot goal was really what made that happen was a Yakov Trinan jump screen, Victor Arvidsson style. Um, and I think that's something that, that really, you know, didn't really get heralded much. At least I didn't see the TV broadcast, but it was really surprising to see that large of a man get up in front and do that jump and see that just take away the goalie's eyes, watch it go in. And so I, I knew going into uh, the shootout that it was going to be really, you know, not going to be a lot of fun for either team because both goalies without having somebody in front of them or getting a redirect or some kind of odd bounce off a stick, it wasn't going to go in. The Predators were able to pull it off. Um, it, was, it was a great win. It was a lot of energy for uh, three in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that actually takes us right into what I wanted to talk about first, and that would be Tanner Janot. So uh, it's pretty interesting how how this has turned out because Tanner Janot came comes to the Predators three years ago as an undrafted free agent. They signed him as an undrafted free agent out of the WHL, playing for the Moose Jaw Warriors. 
He's a big dude, and he's you know he's got some got some skill, but he's but the most important thing is he's big. So that is exactly why the Predators signed him. They like yeah. signing bigger guys uh, to try to stock their uh, their prospect with just bulk with just yeah. big dudes. And he progresses into this like he has this physical element to his game, but he's also like his vision is very very good. He's almost like a really big, and his skill is underrated. He's almost like a bigger version to me. He's a bigger version of Victor Arvidsson, who has played, who played with just a ton of energy at both ends, brought a lot of, uh, you know, energy to the ice whenever he's out there. Except he's like six four, and, and you know, Victor Arvidsson's not six four. So he's just like he has this really interesting history with the Predators, undrafted, really no prospects at all to like make the team, and now the Predators protect him in the expansion draft. To, to to the surprise of some, I think some people were not surprised because of how big he was late last year. And now he's leading the team in scoring with four goals. I know it's only four goals. He he's not he's not going to lead the league in or lead the team in goals at the end of the year. I don't think. But uh, Tanner's knows great a great story, right? I mean, he's he's a lot of fun to watch, and uh, you gotta you gotta appreciate a story like that. Undrafted to leading the team in in goals, you know, a week, you know, a couple months or one month into the season. I mean, he was he was undrafted at the junior level too, and I think that's what's most impressive is that yeah. every contract that he has, he's earned because he showed up and he played his rear end off. And right. when I when he showed up at the uh, NHL level last season and really kind of put on a show, and I've said it before. I talked to Carl Taylor about him, and he said that there is nothing I could say positive about him that I couldn't put his name on. I couldn't quote him on. You could make up anything you want. Say I said it as long as it's positive. So I couldn't say yeah. anything bad about him. Said he's the hardest working kid he's ever worked with. And, you know, there's this element to him, even if you look at the post-game interview from the from from yesterday. Um, he had a great game. He he had to know on some level that he was the spark plug that got that game going and that pushed that game into overtime, even if he didn't score, even if he didn't participate in the shootout. And when you're asked about, when he's asked about, you know, the game, he's like, oh, you know, I always try to learn from my mistakes. Um, it's just a very, very wholesome story and a very, seems like an absolutely incredible guy. But at the same time, he's huge and he will hurt you. He may not have to drop the gloves to do it, but he's knocking guys over, <laughs> slamming them into the board. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard, hard play to play against him but he can also finish. And that's, that's really what you want, isn't it? Uh, Tanner Janot is from Oxbow, which is an, a town in Saskatchewan province. Mm -hmm. uh, any, any guesses on how, how many people do you think live in Oxbow? What's the, <clears throat> looking at the 2016 census, how many people live in Oxbow, you think? Um, 1,500. Holy crap, you are so close. <laughs> you almost nailed it. 1300, 1328. Okay. I wow, figured it was nice. probably probably close to my hometown in Kentucky which has like 14 14 yeah, 15. I, so. I don't know. I don't know that I would have even come close to that. I'm really bad at guessing that kind of thing. But well done. 1300 people live in Oxbow and one of them was Tanner Janot and he is now leading the goals, leading in scoring on the Predators. That's a pretty cool story. Um yes. so yeah, th there you go. I, I think he's a, he's an awesome part of this season. I also wanted to talk about uh, Roman Yossi. And before I do this, uh, I want to show this goal here. So 
from time to time we will share share some video. Uh, this actually is a Philip Forsberg goal, but there's a reason I'm showing this to talk about Roman Yossi. And uh, let's go ahead and show this now. This is from um, the Minnesota Wild game. Is that right? I, I can't even remember. I think it's from the Wild game. Uh, but this is a great goal uh, by the Predators in that win on Sunday. On display, we saw it in the first period off a of face-off. But watch Roman Yossi. He hesitates, waits till Forsberg gets in an open position. Burns almost gets a piece of that. But because Philip Forsberg crosses the middle of the ice here, he makes James Reimer move and be in an <clears throat> Yeah, that's the uh, that's the Minnesota Wild playing in their San Jose Sharks alternate jerseys right there. Obviously, I was wrong. It's not the Minnesota Wild game. It was the Sharks, the Sharks game on Tuesday. It's, it's Anyways, okay. it's been a long week for me, folks. Um, so the, the keys to that, so Philip Forsberg comes to the middle of the ice and gets a, a nice shot off and, and gets it by James Reimer. But the real key to that play and, and the plays, the kind of the play that cycled up to that is, is the play of Roman Yossi. If you watch the Predators with Roman Yossi on the ice – he is so clearly the best player on the ice for the Predators. He is his vision is incredible. His skating is just no one no one matches his skating, and his puck skills are great. Him, for him to be able to skate, uh, basically circles around the San Jose Sharks, and then find Philip Forsberg on that crisp pass right in the middle of the ice, exactly at the at the exact time that Philip Forsberg needed to get the puck when he's coming to the middle and has an angle to shoot. Um, it's just incredible. Roman Yossi is playing as good as he ever has. I think he's got to be one of the front runners for the Norris Trophy this year already. He's got uh, – I, I know he's leading the team in, in scoring right now, not in goals, but in, in just overall scoring. He's he's an incredible talent, and it's really fun to watch him uh, play every night. I I think he's, he's the best player on the ice for the Predators right now. What do you think? Oh, every, every night every afternoon. And what's, what's funny, you know, you talk about that crisp cross ice pass. That's something that I've been harping on a lot this season yeah. is that, you know, the North South passing looks great, but they have a really hard time getting the puck across the <laughs> ice without so much, somebody yeah. getting a stick on it or without it getting to where it needs to go. Um, so to see that happening, and it's usually, usually from Yossi who's making that happen. Um, it, it happens every game. And, and that's the kind of thing is, you can show that highlight and you're like, well, look at this nice thing, but that's something you could show that kind of highlight from every single game. He's always yeah. doing something like that. And even, even in the shootout yesterday, um, what I think was really, really surprising is, is if you watch the, the way a lot of the guys in the shootout approach the goalie uh, with the puck, you know, they're, they're trying to do a lot of things to really slight things or changing angles on their stick blade just to try to, try to get the goalie to bite one way or the other. And Yossi came in so smooth. It was almost like, I don't know. It was almost like he was daring the goalie to make a move because he was waiting for the goalie to bite on anything. He wasn't giving anything away. And just that, that sense of, I don't have to come at you at a frenzied pace. I don't have to do a bunch of things to throw you off. I'm just going to come at you real slow and smooth with this puck. I'm not going to give anything away and I'm going to light you up. And that to me, you know, that that shows that greater command and control on the ice um, that we're talking about is it's yeah. not a, you know, it's a fast and furious all the time. There's, there's a lot of calculation involved. And I, that's one of the things I can appreciate about his play, especially this season, is a lot of times that calming presence kind of gets guys to realize, hey, Yossi's here. He's got under control. He's going to take care of us. And that's what happens. 
Yeah, he, he is he is a source of, of of comfort and control for everyone else on the team because of how good he is. Uh, I, I shudder to think about what this Predators team would even look like if they didn't have him in the lineup. I mean, it would be pretty bad. You know, you, you feel pretty comfortable that Matthias Ekholm could lead the team from the blue line, but not in the same way that Roman Yossi does. I mean, he's just, just a different player. Yeah. Um, and, and the lateral passing, the cross-ice passing is, is so, so important. I mean, if you watch any of the really good teams in the NHL, Colorado Avalanche do it, do it extremely well. Sometimes the Maple Leafs do it well, not all the time. Um, if the, the Blues do it okay, they play more of a defensive heavy game. Vegas does it really well. All this lateral ice passing, like going, gaining the zone and being able to connect passes through the middle of the ice, through the, the Royal Road, as they call it. That is how goals happen. That's how you get scoring. That's how scoring happens more often than not. Yeah. And the Predators have, have been struggling with that forever. They've been struggling with it on the power play and even strength. But, and so the only way for them to really generate any scoring is through cycling around the outside, hard, hard work on the boards, and then just trying to get an angle that works. But you're not going to be able to – excuse me. You're not going to be able to do that without uh, some some accurate cross-ice passing. It's, it's, so, it's so true, and it's something that they've been struggling with forever. Um, but – you know, you have seen a little bit more of it recently, and it, it's a they're 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 trying to make it work. Ever since John Hines got here, they're tr they're opting for quality over quantity. Yeah. You know, with Bobby Lett, it was about just volume, volume, volume. Just launch everything on net, get fifty shots on the on goal every night, and uh, not a lot of quality. Now it's kind of the opposite. They're they're going for just cycle, 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 and then try to get as best a shot as you can possibly get. So that's what we're seeing, and um, you know, it's it makes for some frustrating hockey at times because you don't see a ton of shots and you don't see a lot of quality because you don't see uh, they, they're not good at it, good at it yet. But um, that's that's what we're looking at. So well, it's it's night and day from Laviolette, like you said. Laviolette's big thing was <laughs> volume shooting, shoot the puck from the blue line, make make a rebound happen. You know, pick, pick up the scraps, and yeah. I think. I think that's what makes it so frustrating for fans, at least, is that it is such a stark contrast. But I'll tell you, I think, you know, if you look back at the Winnipeg game, what Winnipeg did that I think was really successful against the team was they took away the middle of the ice in the offensive zone and they forced them to play that around the boards and, and back at the blue line style game. No matter when they had the puck, if they were in the offensive zone, the Preds weren't getting up close. And I think you saw a big change in the way they played in the very next game where they focused on getting in front of the net and making sure they asserted their dominance right <clears> in the <throat> middle of that ice. And that's kind of the style they've been playing. And if you look at the goals that have come about, thinking you know, specifically about the one we just watched, but both of the goals from Saturday's game, those happened because people were going to the net. You know, Trennan getting that screen on Janot in the first and then Janot getting in front really standing at the goal line while Benning fired from the goal line and redirecting that puck into the net. And that's mm -hmm. good things happen when you go to the front of the net. So, you know, mm -hmm. you can't get to the front of the net very easily without passing across the ice. So that's, again, it's, it's gotta be something they're working on consistently. And it's, I think it's starting to pay off. I think you'll see it continue to. Improve. Yeah, it, it definitely started to pay off. I, <clears throat> you know, they, they need to get more production and they need to get more production out of out of key forwards. Now, I, I wanted to – I know that at some point we want to talk about UC Saros, but before we do that, um, let's take a, let's take a uh, turn and talk about um, 
specifically some of the lineup changes that John Hines has made. And one of them, one of which impacts uh, one of the more important forwards on the team, Ryan Johansson. Um, I want to show one clip of him scoring a goal here. <clears throat> uh, but maybe, maybe before we do that, Ryan Johansson has been moved around a little bit and uh, it's kind of interesting. So at the beginning of the season, we saw Johansson with Forsberg and um, uh, Duchesne. Forsberg, Duchesne, Johansson, the $24 million line or whatever it is. Um, pretty <clears> – <throat> and they were they were very good. But then he changed it uh, when things were not producing as well, and now it's Forsberg, Duchesne, and Granlund, which, by the way, is also a line that really works well. And then Johansson has moved around and had a couple of rotating winger combinations. He's been with Tolvanen and Cunnan. He's been with Tomasino and Cousins. He's been – and I think he's kind of balanced both of those combinations well. And then the other option that's just, that's played with uh, with the with the other center that's played with the other pair is Tommy Novak, who kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I really I did not see Tommy Novak contributing to this team this year, um, but he's there and he's he's doing okay. He's not he's not great. He's not terrible, I guess. Um, but the, the Johansson thing is pretty interesting. So I want to show this goal. I can't remember. Yeah, this is a power play goal, so it's a little bit different. But this this is, I think, uh, a good example of of Joey uh, of Ryan Johansson's skill set and what he's able to do well and what people you know want to see more of. So let's look at this goal, um, this power play goal right here. Wall, he comes up, then comes back down south. Johansson presents the stick. It's just a high tip. He follows it up. Matt Dumba doesn't get that stick, and Johansson does a good job battling through it. Checking and can't control the rebound. The Predators take 2-0 lead. So the key thing about that goal to me and what, what it says about Ryan Johansson, what he's able to do, is kind of three things. Positioning, size, and reach. If you just phys speaking physically about Ryan Johansson, he has a physical size and reach that not a lot of other players do. No. Philip Forsberg has it. Ryan Johansson has it. But, and, and maybe, you know, honestly, maybe Tanner Janot has it. He's, he's pretty big. But it's, it's about his reach and his vision to be able to get to pucks that no one else can get to that you see on that goal. First of all, he's in the middle of the ice. Now he's on the power play. He's kind of supposed to be there if he's not down low being a distributor. And But he sees the puck. He's able to get around Matt Dumba, who's a good defender, and he's able to get his stick on a puck that maybe not a lot of people can get to because he's got a nice reach. That is so important, and it's something that I've noticed ever since Johansson got here. He has an ability to get to pucks that no one else can get to because he's just a big orangutan armed guy. There you go. And uh, that is a big part of his game. And I, I think that Johansson's ability in that in that uh, realm of the game is kind of unmatched on the Predators. I, if you took it away, I think you would be wondering, where, where's our big men that can go get pucks that no one else can get? So uh, to me, that is a good example of what Johansson can do that, that not a lot of people can do. Matt Duchesne can't do that. Matt Duchesne's a, a more of a playmaker. He's better with the puck than without it. Uh, you know, most of the defensemen can't do that. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, even someone like Tomasino, he's a more of a Duchesne mold, kind of a playmaker, yeah. kind of with the puck, playing with speed. No one does what Johansson does, I, in my opinion. 
No, I, and I think, you know, what you said that made a lot of sense was, I think if you took that away, you would notice it. Yes. And I think that maybe is the thing that a lot of people, when they criticize Johansson, they're more worried about the production. Why, why is he not scoring goals? Why is this mm -hmm. not happening? But he said something and it was way back when it was way back when Brian Boyle was on the team. And I remember um, it may have been Boyle's first or second game, but he was talking to Johansson was talking to him on the bench and said, you know, Hey, fired the puck in there. We'll go dig it out of the boards for you and we'll get it in the, you know, we'll get it back. And I remember it was right after that conversation I think that's exactly what happened, and they scored a goal. And it's one of those things that Johansson may not have scored that goal, but he made the goal happen. Um, yeah. And and when you talk about the the long orangutan arms, which was of course Johansson's self description, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone on the team has that reach. Even you mentioned Forsberg, I don't think he has the reach of Johansson. I think. Yeah, he, I don't, you're right. I think he Echo, has the neck. Echo might, but he plays in a different position. He's not in yeah. the middle of the ice as much. No. Yeah. But uh, I'll definitely say uh, Johansson stands alone in that category. So, uh, yeah, maybe you don't see as many goals as you'd like. But it, when he's playing the way he needs to play, he's a pretty big force to be reckoned with out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been been really great to see that from Johansson so far. Uh, three goals and three assists in seven games. So, he, I mean, almost a point-per-game player. All of the top forwards have been great this year. I, I pointed mm -hmm. that out as well. I mean, Roman Yossi leads the team with nine points in seven games. And then after that, it's Philip Forsberg, Brian Johansson, Mikhail Granlin, Matthew Shane. That's your top five scores. That's exactly what you want. Those are your top five highest paid players right there, except, yep. for, um, except for Granlin. But th th that's, that's, a, that's an amazing combination to have. That's ex I mean, every single National Predators fan has been crying for that for – Three years? How long has Duchesne been on the team? 2019. Two, two years now? Two plus years? That, yeah. that, that's what people have been wanting. They've been wanting those five players, those four players specifically, to contribute every day. And they're doing that. So that's a good start. And then then you've got role players like Tanner Janot and uh, you know Nick Cousins and stuff to, to step in and, and, and contribute as well. Colton Sissons. Well, so, I, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, think, I think the biggest thing, you've got – You've got people who are clamoring for that kind of production, but then they're still going to complain that it's not enough. And I think what we got to remember yeah. is that this is a different style of hockey that's being played. It's it's a more of a slow grinding game mm -hmm. um, where you're you're relying more on physical play up front to open up more scoring opportunities later, as opposed to like a high powered, you know, uh, snipers, you know, gang that's going to go out and start, you know picking off shots left and right early on, which is, yeah. it's definitely a style of hockey that teams play and have a lot of success with, but this team isn't necessarily built for that style of game. Right. So the production is going to be a little bit less than some of the teams with the big numbers, but that's kind of what you can expect from the style that's being played right now. Yeah. Um, so next I want to talk about UC Soros. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because you know, it, it, it's so early with goaltenders. You really need to see a lot of a lot of minutes um, to really get a feel. What what is your thought on on his start? Because, in my opinion, I don't think he's played poorly. I think he's special teams is still an issue. I mean, with on the penalty kill, I think there's been some issues there. But I, I don't know how much of that is his fault. It's really hard to judge penalty kill performance. 
I don't think he's played poorly, but he's definitely not at the level that he was at the end of last year where he should have been a, a Vezina finalist. We have to remember that he always starts slow in his career. He is the beginning of the beginnings of his seasons are usually not as good. He gets, he gets going, but I don't, you know, I don't think I'm not too worried about it or anything. And he's still like, he's not like, he's not been bad. I, I would not say that there've been a few goals that have been ones he shouldn't allow, but he's also been, he's also had some pretty incredible, uh, um, saves as well. So I, I, I don't know what, what are your thoughts are, uh, briefly on, on UC Saros start. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the slow start or the traditionally slow start or however we want to look at it is definitely a real thing. And I don't, that alone tells me that this isn't really, you know, I don't need to worry about it much at all. But, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of the goals that have been scored against him have been where there's been a lot of movement with the puck right in front of him, drawing him off to one side. But then, I mean, you know, if you look at some goals, I know there was one of the two yesterday it's almost like he thought it was going to go wide, but it just caught the uh, upper corner of that net. And, and you're like, well, he probably should have had that one. But the reality is, are you going to judge the overall, you know, how great is a goaltender based off of the number of saves they make and, and how many that is or the number of, you know, really bad misses they had and, and how how high that number is. And so yeah. I think if you kind of look at the two, I think we're going to see that he's going to balance out more in the he has a lot more saves favor than, uh, you know, the other side of letting in some really ugly ones. That's going to happen. It's going to happen yeah. to everybody. But, you know, as long as the vast amount of, of shots are stopped, I don't think there's as much to worry about. He's not letting in a ton of junk. So just, just glancing at some stats really quick. I mean, I, uh, goals say I, I look at basically two things. I look at goals saved above average and I look at just overall save percentage just at all, at all, all levels. His his numbers are, are are low. They're not they're not bottom of the league or anything. I mean, his goal saved above average. He has one point three zero. Um, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, one point oh six. That's good for twentieth in the league right now. Um, yeah, that, that I that if you had, that's what I would have guessed that he was right at average, maybe slightly below average in the league in terms of goal saved above average. And his shot, his save percentage is around the same time. I think he's like twenty fifth or something. But that's that's I haven't filtered for any like some players have had like one start and done well. So I I, I think overall he's been okay. He's not been he's not been stellar. He's not <clears throat> his high danger save percentage is not like incredible like it has been in the past. His um his on the penalty kill is he's been kind of struggling a little bit. Um, but overall I'm not too I'm not too concerned and uh, I think he he still looks the part. I mean he he every night he looks just really locked into things, maybe just a few tweaks here and there, and he'll be he'll be fine as we as we move on into the season. Um, uh, okay, so the other other thing I wanted to mention is just a brief brief standings watch. You know, usually we kind of mark uh, Thanksgiving as the as the first real benchmark of the season. About you know once you once you get to Thanksgiving, you can start looking at the standings. Uh, but you know uh, why not? Let's look at them anyways. The Predators are four and four, and they're in. Uh, well, I just had it. Hang on. Um, they're in fifth, so they're they're ahead of Chicago, Dallas, and Arizona right now in terms of the Central. And uh, that's you know obviously the only reason that they're that high is because of this last week where they went three and zero. So <clears throat> pretty important. I think some other teams in the Central have been 
not performing like they should. Colorado is certainly not off to a very good start. Minnesota and St. Louis are okay. Uh, and then obviously Chicago is terrible. Arizona is bad. Um, Nashville, to me, this is exactly where they fit in. I, I think this is kind of where they're going to be all year is the middle of the road team in the Central Division and maybe a bubble team at the very end of it. I think that's accurate. And I think that's what a lot of people have said. And, you know, you're sitting in fifth, maybe you're back and forth between fifth and fourth. At some points I could see the team, you know, being up as high as, as third, maybe spending a hot minute at second, but I think you're going to kind of go back to that mean of, of being in that fourth and fifth place. And what's going to come down to at the end of the season is do you transfer into that last playoff spot? Do you hit a wild yeah. card spot? Um, and that's again, probably going to come down to the wire. Um, you know, so I think you're right. I think you're probably looking at about, this is about normal is about what we can expect uh, on the season, but there yeah. are some teams, I think Colorado, especially once they get going, they're going to do some scary things. Um, since it's Halloween, they'll do some spooky things, but yeah, very spooky. <laughs> uh, the, I'll tell you one thing that I am not surprised about <clears throat> And I'm not I'm not gonna shy about taking a victory lap here because uh, I did not understand I did not understand why so many people put Chicago the Chicago Blackhawks in the top three or four of the division at the beginning of the year. They've been absolutely terrible. I think it was very predictable. They have an, a very old Mark Andre Fleury. They were they were just trusting that Mark Andre Fleury was going to be <clears throat> even the even the flurry of of three years ago with with Vegas, and he's not been. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's not getting any help because they've had some awful, awful defensive play. They can't score any goals. They're a bad team. I don't understand why people thought they were going to be good. They're a very bad team. In addition to the horrible nature of their organization right now because of all of the um, information that came out about the Kyle Beach situation, um, that, I mean, everything with the Chicago Blackhawks right now is an absolute fire and uh, I, I, I couldn't have predicted the second part, the, 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 no. the information about the sexual abuse that happened. Uh, but I, I, I knew on the ice this team was going to be bad, and I'm very happy that that's actually happened because I don't understand why all these people thought they were going to be good. It doesn't make any sense. You don't, you don't understand why people thought they were going to be good? Yes, I don't understand why people thought they were going to be good. They, didn't, they, they did not improve their team from last year. They were bad last no. year. Well, no, but it, it doesn't matter the uh, relative goodness or badness of the Chicago Blackhawks. There's still going to be a large group of people who are just going to go, oh, Blackhawks, yeah. they're going to do it this year because yeah, no, it's right. the Chicago Blackhawks. It, yeah. It's not based on reason. It's not based on anything other than <laughs> like, oh, this is a team that's been around for a long time and they've been good right. before, so they'll probably be good this year. No, you're right. That's all that is. I mean, I get it. It doesn't. I don't get too worked up about it. I, I don't know how you look at, at signing <laughs> that uh, that Seth Jones contract and say this is a team that's making great decisions. Well, um, and they and they shipped off Duncan Keith to do that. They shipped off Duncan Keith to Edmonton and signed Seth Jones to this massive contract. Like you, you would have been better just sticking with the Duncan Keith contract because of what he can do on the ice. I mean, it it, it didn't make any damn sense to me. I, I, I was uh, very confused by that. That's an albatross contract if I ever saw one. And I've seen a few recently. So <laughs> real bad. Um, and then Arizona's bad too. Um, that's not as much of a surprise. But so in, in the central division right now, uh, you know, and, and the Predators have only what have, have they played Minnesota, they played Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Is that it? 
They, yeah, that's that's all they've played in the Central. So they still have to they, – they have a lot of Central games to go. You know, they play um, Chicago coming up. They, they've still got to play, like, Colorado and St. Louis. And I mean, th- there's a long way to go here. But I don't see any reason why the Predators couldn't be a middle of the road and then push for the – for the bubble team at the end of the year. No, I, I think that's reasonable. Um, and you know, what's funny. It's <laughs> last season. I'm just, I got so used to the teams that, that were coming. I mean, the, the teams in the realigned or whatever you want to call it division um, was it the discover the central division presented by discover or whatever that was. Um, it was the Bojangles chicken biscuits uh, division uh, of the yes. central variety yeah i I like that was uh and then of course the extra spicy was extra but um (laughs) what i like what i liked about that was you you really got used to the teams you were playing against and you knew you knew what to expect and it's i feel like i'm in a different universe now because yeah you know i'm I'm seeing a team and i'm like oh that's a team i forgot they existed and uh, then i have no clue who's on the team so when you say you know uh well we're uh, you got Calgary coming up on Tuesday. I'm like, who's on Calgary's team? Like, I don't even know, I know anymore. Like, I have to do a really deep dive just to understand how the team got to where it is now. That's um, true. <laughs> you know, so when when I see a team that I've, I've I know from last season, like, oh, all right, I know what to expect here. But anybody else, and it's just it's just a guessing game, um, and that that's a struggle. Like at the game with the Islanders yesterday was a big struggle for me. I had to keep looking at the roster to go, who's who the heck is this? Where'd this yeah. guy come from? And feel, I feel like we got, we got such a such a intense tour of the Carolina yeah. Hurricanes. Oh Lord. For an entire year. And I'm mm. so tired of that team. I never want to see the Carolina Hurricanes ever again. No. And not because of how they play against the Predators, but because I'm just so tired of seeing those yeah. same names yeah. over and over and over again. Um but yeah, no, speaking of the, the Predators go on a four-game um road trip this this coming week uh well th- this coming week they have four road games tuesday they play at calgary as you mentioned uh, the only thing i know about calgary is johnny Gr- johnny goudreau is still on the team and for some reason milan lucic is on that team i forgot that he was even playing yeah, um, he's there yeah so that'll be interesting they got calgary He's got some late night games coming up that's the other thing we got used to last year having a lot of seven o'clock games well, we got an eight o'clock start this week. We got a nine o'clock start. We got a seven thirty start. So they play Calgary Tuesday. They play Edmonton Wednesday. That'll be fun. Uh, and then wait, hang on. Did I get these? Is that right? They don't play three straight games. I got that. I'm pretty sure that third one's Friday. Yeah. Okay, that's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, they don't play back to back to back. Um. Yeah. Friday. Then Friday they play at yeah. Vancouver. That's a nine p.m. start, and then they go to Ooh. Chicago. Sunday to play the Blackhawks at 6 p.m. So four road games. Um, you know, Edmonton's always good. Calgary's leading the Pacific right now. Vancouver, I don't think is very good, but th- there's I always remember that stretch where Vancouver scored like seven power play goals against the Predators. <clears throat> what was that, 2019, 2020, before yeah. the shutdown? So Vancouver's always tough. And then Chicago, you know, they're going to be motivated, obviously. They're very bad, but... Yeah. Um, tough, tough road trip. You know, this is the kind of thing that can galvanize a team or, or really put them in a bad place. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I, uh, you know, I, my, my memories of Calgary 
are going to be that game. Was it right before the? Was it right before the uh, the, the stoppage and play with the uh, last like tenth of a second goal by Granlin to send it into overtime? Oh, and then yeah. Granlin scoring the goal in overtime to win the game. And I, I was at that game, and I was strangely at that game as a fan, and uh, that was that was intense. And that that's going to be you know I'm going to expect that kind of fire going into that game against Calgary, even though the, mm-hmm. probably both teams have changed so drastically since then roster-wise that half of them probably don't remember that game and weren't a part of it at all. Yeah, I do remember that. Can you can you hold a – can you hold – I mean, I know I can hold a grudge for a really long time. It's really my secret superpower. But do you think the, uh, the memories from that game would carry over into this one by any chance? I, I think that that, w- that might feel like a decade ago to, to yeah, both, both sides. Probably right. Well, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's going to do it for our show. Oh, oh you wanted to – I'm sorry. I, yeah. I totally forgot you had, to, you had something okay. to make. Yeah, I, I just – here's the thing, and I, I don't know, like, there's been – yesterday, like I mentioned, at the Saturday, on Saturday – the uh, there were a lot of University of North Dakota fans in attendance because their team was playing in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game at Bridgestone Arena at seven against Penn State. And uh, and I don't know how many people keep up with college hockey or aware of which players played in college or, or what, but Rocco Grimaldi is a very, very notable, um, you know, alumni of University of North Dakota and a very big part of their hockey team's history. There are a lot of fans at that at that Preds game yesterday from the University of North Dakota who more than likely were there to see Rocco Grimaldi play. Hmm. And I noticed when they announced the uh, healthy scratches, when they announced Rocco Grimaldi's name, there was a very, very, very healthy uh, rain of booze that came down on the arena. Interesting. Um, and I, I think, you know, I noticed a lot of ire on Twitter from people saying that, John Hines was doing Rocco Grimaldi dirty or he was doing it wrong. <laughs> and, and I, I don't know. I, I'm not like, I definitely can understand where people might feel that way or where they might be frustrated by it because how often, I mean, realistically, you know, do you get a chance to play in front of a bunch of fans of your team from college because they're in town for an ex? I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely a unique experience, but um, you know, do you think do you think Hines was doing Rocco dirty yesterday, Alex? No. No? Why not? Well, I mean, I, I think I think John Hines could care less about what college hockey game is happening afterwards. And then also, I just don't think Rocco Grimaldi is his kind of player. I mean, Rocco is fine, but look at he excelled under Laviolette. Like he, he was a tip, a prototypical Laviolette for checking attacking forward that is going to shoot the daylights out of the puck all the time. He, I mean, he was, he was Victor Arvidsson light is what he was, but that's not under, that's not John Hines style. He, he just doesn't really fit well in that. He has to be a more prolonged puck possession kind of player in the offensive zone. That's going to be able to, to, to make passes and to be able to, to think quickly about the game and to, to be able to generate offense, you know, I definitely generate offense off the rush, but also to be able to, to have a, a good two way game. I just don't know that Rocco Grimaldi is good at that. 
he's not he's a fine player. I, I think Rocco is a is, is fun to watch. I think he's got a lot of energy. I just don't think that he's part of John Hines' plan. Um, you know, they signed that contract, I think, because they just needed they needed bodies and they needed, I mean, it was a pretty cheap contract, but I do not anticipate Rocco is gonna stick around after this year. And you know, that that that's fine. I mean, he's a good good player, he's fun to watch, but you know, it's just just how it works. Yeah, he he is more of the he's the like you said he's going to shoot the puck, but at the same time, he's he's quick and he would get up and be able to clean up some of those rebounds and some of those big shots that were taken from the blue line under Laviolette. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't see that as much with Hines. And you're right, I don't think the primary consideration going into the game on Saturday against the Islanders was to say, yeah, what's happening later tonight at the place where I work. You know what? What what do we have coming in, and and who should I play? So you, you, I'm sorry, just to just to clarify, you don't think that John Hines did Rocco Grimaldi? No, no, oh, not yeah, at all. Right? Yeah, I just I've noticed more than one person bringing that up on social Got media, it. and I, I, you know, the, the thing is, you know, I, I don't know what what's my role, what's your role here in in being on a podcast or in covering the team. I mean, I think it's you know maybe there's an aspect of what we're doing that that allows us to kind of bring that kind of answer to people and say, you know, John sure. Hines on Saturday was worried about beating the Islanders and John Hines right. was going to play players that he thought were going to give them the best opportunity to do that. So yeah. if you're going to take out a winger uh, and put Rocco Grimaldi in, who are you going to take out? Are you going to take out Tanner Janot? Right. Probably <laughs> not. That's who ended up scoring two goals in the game. Are you going to take out Nick Cousins because Rocco Grimaldi can't bring that element to the game that Nick Cousins can? So when you're looking at decisions that are being made, I think it has very, very little to do with who happens to be in town for a college hockey game. And I think it has more to and, do with winning the game and getting two points. Yeah, and, and, and moving forward, if John Hines is really in this for the long haul, he can't just um, displace – the, the <clears throat> development and production of guys like Tanner Janot, Jakob Trennan, uh, Philip Tomasino, uh, Luke Cunnan, who's young too, by the way, yeah. all, all guys who are y- younger than Rocco Grimaldi. Rocco Grimaldi's 28. At this point in his career, he is a $1 to $2 million player who's going to come in and put up, you know, he, he, scored, he scored 10 goals last year. He scored 10 goals the year before. Those are both career highs. He's never going to get much more than that. He might push to like 15 or 16. Uh, and if he if he was to go on a bad team, like say he went to Arizona and got top line minutes, he's probably a 20-goal scorer on a team like that, getting getting 18 minutes a game. But that's just not that that is not the production that you're gonna that you need out of a team like or, 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 out of a player like that, who's going to get like those kind of minutes, you'd much rather give those minutes to someone like Tomasino, who is a much higher ceiling player. Even J- Tanner Janot is a much higher ceiling player. So yeah, I, I just think Grimaldi is <clears throat> basically, you know, on his way out and he, he'll get some spot starts. If there's an injury, he'll play a lot, but um, yeah, he, he is, he is what he is at this point, And I don't think there are people that should be expecting too much more. So. And, I, and I don't think it's anything intentional just to yeah. keep him from the fans. It's, um, you know, you said he scored 10 goals last season. Four of those came in one game. Um, so if you're looking at production across the season, it, it wasn't even as dramatic as it looks like with 10 goals because, again, yeah. you have a four-goal game. 
uh, yeah, that that helps your numbers. But if you look yeah. overall, it's it's not as you know. He just had that team's number that night. I think it was the red. He's also he's also not very versatile. He doesn't really play on the power play. He doesn't really play right. on the kill on the kill. He's a he's a ten minutes a night kind of guy that just can do kind of one thing. So, and um, I, didn't Poyle say something about it in an interview recently about how it was not a good place to be in for him? Um, oh yeah, know, he did. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I, I hate that because like you said, I think, I think he's fun to watch. I think he has a pretty decent skill set and he's good at what he does, but the things that you might require of him to do beyond that skill set, it's, it's yeah. not in his wheelhouse. It's not something yeah. he's going to be able to, to do successfully and productively night yeah. in and night out. So, um, you know, and I think he's a good guy. I still think they went to the game last night with uh with und and i think they had a good time and i'm sure he was a little disappointed he didn't get to play but i'd say he's disappointed anytime he doesn't get to play and and that's that's what it comes down to well that's going to do it for our show today as uh, we wrap up the rocco grimaldi <clears throat> segment and uh i think uh i think this is good and we had to cover a lot of ground we kind of went a little longer but that's okay we had to cover a, a, a lot of things here the Predators have uh, a lot of interesting matchups coming up. I know that I'm going to be interested in watching them. Um, and uh, you can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to zsportsnashville.com. And please go to onthefourcheck.com as well and read Sean and all of his friends there. Tons of tons of great content there. Tons of content on Twitter as well. Follow me there at AlexDarty1. Follow Sean at SCSOTF. We will see everyone next week and have a good weekend. See you later.